welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors. Cap off the 2022 um, year with a win, uh, a big relief to watch them come together and really compete and show what they're capable of defensively. And they take a 113 to 104 win over the Phoenix Suns. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say this was like uh, the cleanest win. I think Phoenix definitely made it really tight towards the end. They even took the lead after Chris Paul picked Gary Trent Jr.'s pocket and threw it ahead to, you know, um, to, to Bridges. And it was like, oh, my God, are we going to leave McCall Bridges open for three? And then we're going to leave Chris Paul open for three. And then we're going to have Bridges go ahead for the dunk. It's like, are we really going to collapse on this kind of night when the Raptors have put themselves in this position to be competitive? But, you know, thankfully, the Raptors closed it out. They were they were really strong. Nick called a timeout after that, you know, got the team regrouped, and they made a lot of tough plays. I mean, the Suns from that point onwards, a lot of it was just drawing free throws that were honestly quite light, in my opinion. Uh, meanwhile, the Raptors, you know, made some key decisions. You know, Nick, I thought, coached a really good game. Uh, in particular, I think in the fourth quarter, not the most intuitive decision in terms of putting a guy like Christian Coloco back into the game to end the game. But he chose to put Christian Coloco back into the game, took Chris Boucher out. And Christian Coloco, the rookie, delivers several key plays in the fourth quarter stretch there, including um, a corner three, which I believe is his first career NBA three. Now, I have to double check that really quickly. But for me, it was just, I mean, first off, it was just the right play. Gary drove. Um, the the defender pulled off of Christian in the corner, which obviously, why would you not, right? Like, that's, you know, the right play there. And, and Gary was really hot. And, and so, um, you know, can you do something with that? And, you know, we've seen Gary at times four shots or shoot over double teams. He, he made a lot, a number of contested shots tonight as well. But instead, he makes the right play, swings it to Christian in the corner. And shots to Christian because, again, like for a rookie coming into the game like that, he wasn't like just within the flow, hadn't made a three yet in his career. I think he's attempted um, five or six here in his career, and he just hasn't hit one yet. But it is something that he's been working on. When you go into practice, you do see him consistently working on that corner three. He will make you know several in a row, as, as most NBA players would. Um, but it's a shot that he's been preparing for. And when he caught that pass from Gary, I don't think it was a surprise to see him shoot it because that was absolutely the right play. But to see him take it, shoot it as if it was nothing, and knock in that three was just such a huge, huge relief. Um, it was in a one-possession game, and obviously every every three is just massive down the stretch. It's just a good energy boost for the arena. Before that, there was a play where kind of a broken possession. Scotty got the ball at the top, and Scotty hasn't really been scoring much in this game whatsoever. And all of a sudden, he tosses in a random three. That was a huge play as well. But just back to the point of Christian, I just think that like putting him back into the game there at the end was just such a key play because not only did he knock down the three – but he got two loose ball fouls and collected a couple of other rebounds as well, which put him in a position to get to the free throw line. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was pretty smart to do that, especially because of the fact that, you know, the Raptors have been struggling with these centers of late. And to be honest, Christian's been a big part of that as well. But you see the matchup tonight against DeAndre Ayton, a guy who's, you know, being paid the max. I've seen, you know, the Raptors in the past, people, you know, discussing trade proposals like, hey, what if we move like a guy like Pascal for Ayton? And obviously, this is Aiden on a bad night. I'm not saying this is what Aiden does normally, but a complete no-show from him. 4.7 rebounds, 3 assists. Um, in fact, he was outplayed by his backup center. So I thought, honestly, like Dario Saric coming in playing center had a better game than him. 
Jock Landale coming off the bench, had 11 rebounds in 17 minutes with six points, didn't miss a shot, didn't miss a free throw. He had a better game than him. But the Suns still chose to close with Aiden, and the Raptors were able to force some key stops off of him and also get some rebounds. And, you know, overall, I think the bigger theme for me, putting aside the, the late heroics there by Christian, obviously a couple big plays there from, you know, Pascal getting to the foul line or, or, or Gary making a couple plays there as well. Um, but to me, the biggest theme tonight was just the Raptors showed up defensively. And they showed up defensively in a big way. That's where you got to give them credit because, you know, when we have been watching some of these games, the, the, the point that enrages myself and also everyone watching is just the fact that the Raptors have not shown themselves defensively. They're not even giving themselves a chance to compete in a lot of these games defensively. doesn't matter what they, they score on the offensive end when they are so bad on defense, when they're so unfocused on defense. And I thought that Memphis game, Nick had enough, right? He called out the team's effort. And then pregame today, Nick revealed that, you know, it was strange because usually I come to the arena about like, you know, two hours, 30 minutes before the game, you know, and, and that's when the players start getting through their shots, right? Usually it's sort of the, the role players and the supporting players and the star players come out about an hour before. But typically there would be somebody shooting on the Raptors side. And and for the Phoenix, there was tons of players shooting, even guys who were injured like Landry Shaman or, 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 or Cam Johnson. Those guys are getting shots up and stuff like that campaign. Um, but the Suns consistently had guys shooting. And for the Raptors side, Jeff Downton came out to get early shots. But outside of that, there was just like a really long break when nobody on the Raptors side was shooting. And I was a little, you know, just because I'm used to the rhythm of it, right? Usually one or two players cycle in and out, and they just kind of continue doing that until tip-off. Um, nobody was out there for the Raptors. And I was really curious as to what happened. I, I, I turned to, you know, my co-host on the Raptors show, Alex Vaughn. I was like, you know, this is strange. What do you think? And he's like, you know what? They're probably looking at film right now. And they probably have a lot of film to look over, given what they did last night. And then Nick Nurse pregame explained that he had just gone through 20 minutes of film session and where he said that his voice was the only one, right? It wasn't a situation where the players kind of speak up and everyone's sort of collaborative. It's like, no, you guys screwed up in all these key ways here. Let me go in and, and really detail what's going on. And probably let's detail what we can do defensively. Because, look, they're not facing the Phoenix Suns at anywhere close to full strength. Now, the Raptors weren't at full strength either. But, I mean, Phoenix had some major injuries, right? Devin Booker not being in the game. He's one of the best players in the league, right? So he's not available. Then Cam Johnson's not available. A really, really good 3 and D wing. You know, um, you know Landry Shaman. I've just seen, I've seen him put up 30 on Christmas. Like, you know, a, another guy who can really contribute. Um, even campaign has given the Raptors issues in the past, right? So they are missing a lot of pieces. But at the same time, we've seen the Raptors just give up defensively to a lot of players and a lot of teams in scenarios where – it doesn't really matter what the what the outcome is, right? So um, they needed to be better defensively, and I thought that message was received. Like, the, the, it was very clear in the first quarter alone just how much the Raptors had locked in defensively. Um, the Suns had 15 turnovers at halftime, and they finished the game. I'm looking at the ESPN box where it has them for 25. I've seen it, it cited elsewhere at 27, so maybe we got to go through and just really look at all the turnovers. But we're looking at a team that is double their turnovers on their season average. And this is a team that's held by Chris Paul. Like, Chris Paul is, like, the most seasoned point guard in the league, period. He's literally the point god. At moments in this game, he really controlled it and almost flipped it for the, for the Suns. But even Chris Paul had six turnovers, right? A guy who's a secondary ball handler like Damian Lee coming off the bench had five turnovers. You know, Dwayne Washington Jr., their, their backup point guard, had four turnovers. Like, the Raptors were just pressuring up into all of these guys. And it, it was very noticeable at the start of the game, the way the Raptors were guarding. 
So they put Scotty on Chris Paul, which is, you know, something that, again, requires a lot of innovation from Nick, right? I know Nick's caught a lot of heat in the past. And to be honest, when your team loses like that, you do catch a lot of heat, okay? But there is innovation in the way he coaches, right? Putting Chris Paul in that assignment and giving it to Scotty is a pretty smart move because of the fact that they were able to switch a lot of the pick and rolls involving Chris Paul and DeAndre. They want to neutralize that matchup. It's very similar to go back a couple of games to when the Raptors um, lost to Philadelphia, even though that game should have been a win. But they did the same thing where they put Scotty on James Harden, who was the point guard there. And the whole idea was that, you know, they can then switch the pick and roll action with him and Embiid because they could put OG on Embiid and they could switch the matchups and keep it mostly consistent. Same kind of deal here tonight. You know, Scotty on Chris Paul. And then, you know, the Raptors were able to switch that matchup. Now, not only were they able to do that, but I, I think there was just a lot of great defensive energy from Scotty in the first place to cover Chris, force him to expend energy, bringing the ball up the floor, you know, bother him. Don't, you know, he didn't get tricked by any of the other stuff. Like we saw other guys getting tricked by Chris Paul in terms of the, the rip through, in terms of, we saw that once in the first half, once in the second half. We saw, you know, guys sort of not communicating and Chris getting open for jumpers and the mid range shot, which he's obviously so good at. Obviously, he's able to get to the free throw line occasionally and also, you know, uh, hit some threes as well. So it's not easy. But Scotty really pressured Chris quite a bit to the point where in the fourth quarter, a rare like brain fart from Chris Paul, a genuine brain fart to see one of the most accomplished point guards ever take an eight second violation late in the game to surrender possession back to the Raptors. Like that's how much they were making Chris work. Um, so I want to give Scotty a lot of credit on that front. And listen, it's a team effort there too, right? Because not is, is Chris not going to try to attack in isolation, especially against a guy who's like half his age, who's like way bigger than him, who's way peskier and all that kind of stuff. Chris is going to play a lot of pick and roll, right? So you're going to bring in one screen. Sometimes you're going to bring in two screens and just really attack in that way. And what that requires from the Raptors side is really good communication on how to switch, right? Who's going to pick up who, right? Generally speaking, the matchups that you wanted to see were any of the Raptors' wings on Chris Paul, but you didn't want to see Chris Paul attacking Malachi Flynn. You didn't want to see Chris Paul attacking Thad Young. And you probably didn't want to see Chris attacking Christian Coloco that much, although I thought Christian actually did okay in that matchup. But the point is, though, you know, you want to make sure you keep Chris in front, contest him on the mid-range, switch all the other actions. To be honest, not a lot of shot creators on the Suns tonight, right? Uh, guys were able to make tough shots all night, and that kept the Suns in it. To be honest, they're a really good jump-shooting team, so that's what they do. They shot, what, 14 or 30 from three, and they didn't even get a lot of clean looks, to be honest, for a lot of these guys until later in the game. So um, you got to tip your hat to them. But ultimately, there's not a lot of shot creators, right? It's basically just Chris Paul for the starting group. He had the ball every single time down, even though he didn't take the shot every single time down, but he was setting the, the, the table. And then the second, you know, group for Phoenix, it was a lot of their backup point guard, Dwayne Washington Jr., and some other stuff like dribble handoffs and stuff like that, which, you know, this is general system actions. But to be honest, there's not that much to focus on other than just making sure you contain the ball. And I thought the Raptors did such a good job containing the ball. One of the big reasons why Aiden only had four points, well, first off, some of that is just he just showed very little post-game and didn't really have the strength to sort of get through the basket, didn't really show the aptitude to score the way that we know he can in the you know, and he has done throughout his career. But to me, the biggest thing was the Raptors did such a good job of containing dribble penetration, not, mostly by switching, um, that there weren't these chances where it was two-on-one and the guard's getting downhill and he's able to dump it off to, to whoever and they're, they're able to dunk the ball. That didn't really happen for Chris Paul in the starting group. In fact, 
the Raptors defensively, I thought they played well enough in the first quarter alone just to be up double digits. Like like 15 points. Like I'm talking about they forced so many turnovers on that end. And the Raptors offense was actually going really well. Pascal was really carrying on that front. And then Gary, Pascal and Gary were the top two tonight for the Raptors, and they did such a good job working off of each other, but also getting shot independently to sort of carry the lineups without each other, right? Um but the Raptors just couldn't fully build that lead because, again, you got to give them credit. Like Josh Okogie's nailing random threes and, you know, or tough jumpers and driving to the rim and finishing. And, you know, Torrey Craig is knocking down shots, stuff like that, where it's just like, okay, all right, like this is not going to last all game. And it, but though it kind of did, right? Like a guy like, you know, uh, Ish Wainwright, who the Raptors ended up cutting at the start of last season, he comes in, he has a bigger role because of the fact that the Suns have so many injuries on the wing. And also, Joe, uh, Jay Crowder, Loki, just for some reason, Bossman 99 just doesn't play basketball anymore unless he starts for the Phoenix Suns. So he hasn't played all season. So now you got to throw in Ish Wainwright. He knocks in three threes for you, and he's making plays. And guys are just kind of like getting by. Like Damian Lee is knocking down threes, and it's like Sarge is making plays off the dribble, and it's like all this annoying stuff. But to me, the biggest thing was just like the Raptors offensively with their bench group kind of fell off in the second quarter. And that's why the Raptors, despite playing so well, on the defensive end, showing so much commitment, went into halftime only up two, despite all of that work, because of the fact that they really offensively fell off a cliff. And then defensively, it was there was some there was it was leaky as well. But some of that was just bad offense bleeding into bad defense, which is a bad habit for the team. But generally speaking, I think they can do a better job of that. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a bench unit which which really struggled for the Toronto Raptors. And to be honest, in thinking back to it, I think Nick realized one of the mistakes he made was the fact that okay. Um, we cannot only play um, – we, we cannot play with uh, Pascal and Gary both off the court at the same time. Not in a game like this. Not when you have when you have all, all these other, you know, injuries available to you. Like, Gary was there or OG was there as, like, your shot creator, and I guess you could throw in Malachi in that stretch, but there just wasn't enough, right? Like, you can only have so many Thad Young high-low feeds on back cuts and stuff like that. A good team's going to snuff all that stuff out, right? And the Suns, for all their troubles this year, are still a really good team. They're, they're going to know how to cut off a, a very simple split action like that. Um, but to me, it's like they didn't have that offensive generation to sort of counter what the Suns were doing. And the Suns were playing with a lot better pace. The one thing with between Chris, who works, work, likes to run a really methodical half-court game and slow down the temple versus when they bring in their backup guards, like Dwayne Washington was, was getting a high screen from Landale, sometimes at the three-point line, sometimes five feet above the three-point line, sometimes at half court, getting that screen. The Raptors will always fight over screen, so they will sometimes get clipped. I thought Landale actually did a really good job screening. That creates a separation for a guard to attack some space, and he's very quick, get downhill, got some floaters, you got to pull up three. You know, they were making that comeback. And then what was really smart was seeing Phoenix bring in Chris Paul to start the second quarter so that he could then attack mismatches. Because, look, it's one thing where you have these big wings on him, right? You're cool with OG on him. You're cool with Pascal on him. You're cool with Scotty on him. All this stuff is uh, is pretty good. But what you didn't want to see is Chris Paul attacking Malachi Flynn on a one-on-one, right? Because, to be honest, as much as Flynn can be quick and stuff like that, Mal- uh, you know, uh, a guy like Chris Paul with such a good mid-range game and a one-on-one game, he's able to shoot over the top of a guy like Malachi. Then you also didn't want a scenario where Thad Young was brought into the screen because Chris Paul looks at Thad Young and is like, okay, yeah, Thad Young's bigger, but Thad Young's my age, essentially, and it's like fairly easy to sort of shake him and rock him and then go in for the mid-range jumper as well. So that was the matchup Phoenix was looking for, where Chris Paul attacking some of the Raptors' bench reserves. And to be honest, that really did eat into the advantage. Now, to credit the Raptors, they came out strong, same formula as they did in the first half. 
Um, you know, in that third quarter, defensively, the Suns, again, once again, made some tough threes. But, you know, generally speaking, I thought the Raptors did a good job, forced them into turnovers, got out in the fast break. And the third quarter really just belonged to Gary Trent Jr. Because as much as Pascal carried the offense early, Gary Trent Jr. was so much of the offense in the second half, including the third quarter where he had 18 points. A lot of opportunities where he was just able to pull up on the mid-range, attacking off a screen. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed watching the process of him work. There was a four-point play at one point that he was able to knock in. And it's just stuff like that where he's just able to, you know, keep the Raptors' offense alive and give them something and give them a chance to set their defense going the other way. And, again, it was one of those scenarios where I was thinking, wow, the Raptors should have done more to build the lead. However, there were a couple of mistakes that they made defensively. Like Chris Paul draws a four-point foul um, on, a, on a, you know, Christian Coloco, stuff like that, right? Like there, there's, there's mistakes and sort of leakages and stuff like that. But for the most part, the Raptors played really well had that lead and then it was a real issue of like okay what are we going to do here because we just played pascal a ton in the third quarter and then we played gary a ton in the third quarter what are we going to do nick nurse decided to take pascal out of the game in the third quarter left gary in now the first shift they put them both in together and they took them both in out at the, at the same time that wasn't smart the offense kind of died off second half pascal comes out gary still in finish out the third quarter then gary goes to the bench pascal's in and all of a sudden nick nurse decides i'm going to go to make up for that extra little bit of shooting, I'm going to go with Malachi and Jeff Down on this floor at the same time. Now, Malachi didn't have a good game tonight, missed a couple of plays. Obviously, the, the open threes, he was not able to knock down, which is unfortunate. I liked his aggressiveness because there was a point where he missed an open three, then the Raptors chased on the rebound, then Malachi relocated, then sh- uh, fired off another three. So it's a good sign of his aggressiveness, and those are the right reads, but the results just weren't there, 0 for 4. And I think, more importantly, there were plays where, like, Chris Boucher's leaking head in on fast break, and Malachi's just got to throw him, you know, a feed. Like, it doesn't have to be a lob. It wasn't, like, so close. The defender wasn't so close to him. But you could have just found him. That's a play that you have to make at all times. So as a point guard, I'm sorry. Like, it, it's it's a one-on-one with your bigger player who's got a, a step or two ahead of the play. You got to deliver the right pass so that you can get two points out of that scenario. That should be a guaranteed two points, but he overcooks the pass and Chris Boucher has to catch it landing out of bounds and it's a turnover, right? Stuff like that. So, But Malachi wasn't really giving it to you. But listen, you have no options right now. You got to turn to him again. But Nick Nurse decided, I'm going to turn to Jeff Down, who I hadn't played in the first half for just four minutes here in the fourth quarter. And can you buy Gary those four minutes of rest after he just scored 18 points for you in the third quarter? And that's exactly what Gary's. Or that's exactly what, uh, what what Jeff was able to do. I mean, he was able to come in, and and at first, a couple plays in terms of like you know, um, okay, they weren't able to contain Washington off the screen, and they weren't able to contain the ball. But then you start to see Jeff's defense start to factor in, right? And and you saw, um, Down was able to, um, you know, collect a steal, um, drive the lane, uh, and then go in for a, a, a you know a layup in, in transition, right? Then you had. You know, Chris Boucher at the top of the floor uh, on a late clock scenario, and I'm thinking, man, this possession is going to be really dicey. What's going to happen here? Chef Down makes a cut through the middle of the lane. Chris Boucher finds him with a beautiful bounce pass in traffic, which I'm thinking, like, wow, that's not his game. Like, usually it's that's like Thad doing that. But Chris having to be at the top of the floor, beautiful pass to Jeff Down, who made a really smart cut. And then Jeff, you know, attacks the, the rim, draws the help to him, and then clever dump off pass, extra pass to Thad Young for the layup. And so just a couple of plays there was really, really important where the Raptors were just able to um, get some contribution from Jeff Down. And then you're at that point where it's like, okay, it's a close game. It's probably closer than it needs to be, but can you really close this thing out? And you can bring in Gary. Pascal was on the floor to start the fourth quarter anyway, so he's going to play the rest of the quarter. 
you know, OG was in foul trouble all night. Honestly, some light calls, a lot of loose ball foul calls. This might have set a record for for loose ball foul calls in the year 2022 just because of I think there might have been like six or seven. It, it was a lot of them uh, in tonight's game. And OG Anobi was slapped with a lot of fouls. And there's a key play in the third quarter where OG drove in in transition, attacked Sarich, and uh, it was initially ruled as an and one. It was a blocking foul on Sarich, but the Suns reviewed it. Even though Sarich was in a crouch, um, I guess he was in position, uh, and so he and he took the contact on the chest. And so OG, instead of going into the line f- to complete a three-point play, instead he gets his fifth foul and he has to come out the game. He doesn't re-enter the game until the fifth, the five-minute mark in the fourth quarter. So you really needed your guys to come in and buy some time for you. And that's where I thought Jeff did a really great job buying time for Gary. I thought Chris Boucher did a really good job buying time for Christian Coloco to come back into the game and, and start to do some of the heroics that he did. I thought that Thad Young gave you not the same production as OJ Anobi because they're very different players, but at least some solid minutes where he's able to score and he's able to disrupt play. I mean, Thad Young had four steals tonight. That's really, really good. Um, and he was able to take it one-on-one at times against a guy like Landale or just just make some plays happen. Again, like the, give the Thad in the post play is just something that you can rely on something for because not only is he going to look to distribute first and foremost try to pick out shooters try to pick out cutters but if there's nothing happening at the end of that play it's still Thad Young can go one-on-one against the guy and use his veteran smarts use the fact that he's a lefty and, and outsmart guys and get to his spots and going for the low sweeping hooks and he was able to do that until Scotty or until OG is able to come back in the game Scotty's able to come back in the game and that's where you just got to really close out and finish strong and to be honest it, it could have been anyone's game right like you know the Raptors you know, they were making good plays. Pascal was driving and getting fouled. Pascal was driving and scoring. You know, a tough matchup tonight with uh, Ish Wainwright, who, you know, Raptor fans should probably know about just because of, you know, the fact that Ish was on the Raptors Summer League roster and he played uh, really well for the Raptors, to be honest. I, I think the decision to cut him and also cut, uh, you know, uh, who was it? Who's the show? Oh, Sam Decker. Um, and instead go for Isak Bonga. Like, it, it just... I don't know. Bonga just didn't. Ha- Again, this is another sign of like, okay, this is, we're going to commit to six nine athletes rather than commit to guys who can, you know, for sure do a role for you. And I always thought Ish Boyamite was a guy who can at least play, right? Like maybe not like a, a superstar or anything like that. Maybe not, I mean, not even a starter, but he plays gritty defense. You can knock down a three and have like a little bit of a PJ Tucker thing for you. And he came in and played great defense tonight. Four steals in twenty three minutes. Unfortunately, he fouls out, but that happens when you're guarding Pascal the whole game. But, um, you know, still, Pascal was able to beat him a couple of times, you know, you know, get the Raptors into the lead. And and that's where your focus needed to be a little bit stronger at times because you had Chris Paul being left wide open for a three. The Raptors weren't able to communicate that switch. They've been doing such a good job with that the whole game, but they screwed up on that play. Chris was able to get open for three, knock it down. Then you had uh, Mikhail Bridges left open for three. If the Raptors didn't rotate and get out to the corner, and I thought Thad got out there a little too slow against Bridges, who's a pretty good shooter. He was able to knock down his uh, second three of the night. Shout out to Alex on that one. Um, and then, you know, Chris Paul picks Gary's pocket and then puts it ahead to Bridges. And that's where it's like, damn, you played such a great game. You really, really competed. You're scrapping. You had the turnaround game. You had the response from Nick and all that other stuff. And you're going to be in a losing position now. Like, it just felt like, damn, like if, if things were all going to go wrong in the, for the Raptors this month, this game kind of felt like another iteration of that. But the Raptors were able to pick themselves up. And that's where I got to give them credit. You know, Pascal responds right away out of that timeout, drives with a quick baseline drive around Ish Wainwright, who couldn't fully contest because of the fact that the Raptors uh, had already seen it, uh, put four or five fouls on him already at that point. So he wasn't able to 
fully commit to that contest and the help was late and so pascal was able to get to the free throw or get to the the the, the, the lane for a, a layup uh and then gary was able to knock in a super contested turnaround jumper in the post it literally bounced in and out and all that stuff and it landed in then scotty knocks down a three out of rhythm which was so important then christian cloak gives you two loose ball fouls then chris paul randomly commits an eight second violation then gary trent driving kick to christian in the corner for three um you know then then gary misses a wide open three um you know and and but Christian Coloco was there to, to win the loose ball and then another loose ball foul. He goes to the free throw lines. He goes one for two. Honestly, I don't, I don't mind. One for two, I'll take that, right? Um, you know, uh, then Pascal gets a switch on DeAndre Ayton, attacks him, draws the foul, uh, goes to the free throw line, makes the first one, misses the second one. By the way, MVP chance for Pascal Siakam in the, in the building for the first time this season. Uh, I'd love to see that from the fan base, showing that appreciation to a guy who has been really, really doing everything he can to carry the team, especially offensively. I thought tonight Pascal looked even a little bit tired, but even in the fourth quarter, still able to get you that 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 opportunity to score and extend the lead. Made the first free throw, which I think pushed it to a seven-point game, which is super important. Uh, but then he missed – no, no, it pushed it to a five-point game because uh, the Suns actually got two free throws off a pretty soft play, including uh, Bridges, who just kind of dribbled it off his own foot. They called a foul on Gary. It was a light reach in, but to be honest, it's, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a no call for me, especially after the review. But whatever, um, that cut it to four. But Pascal goes to the free throw line, makes the first one, makes a five, misses the second one. But guess what? Scotty Barnes beats DeAndre Aiden out for the rebound, and then goes in for the putback immediately, rather than burning time, which is smart. And that pushes to a seven point game. And at that point, it's game over, you know. And man, it, it was so hard fought. It, it felt like they needed everything to really click together. It felt like Nick had to like. You know, I gotta put in Jeff at the fourth quarter, and then I gotta put in Christian and back into the game, and and I need some clutch threes from very unexpected sources of Scotty and Christian, and I needed Gary to really explode for me. I needed Pascal to be excellent the whole game, you know. But they did it, and they responded, and that's the big thing, right? Play defense. I'm not expecting the Raptors to force 25 turnovers every night. I'm not expecting every opponent to be as shorthanded as Phoenix was tonight with essentially only two ball handlers all night. But at the same time, I think that defensive effort for the Raptors is something that they can repeat, something that they can build off of, something that they can take pride in, right? Because ultimately, this is what this team is built on. When you have all these 6'9 athletes and when you have the Vision 6'9 thing, it's so that you can switch everything and really neutralize the, the, you know, a lot of the actions that Phoenix will typically go to. This is a team that runs a ton, a ton of high pick and roll, right? Some more off-ball stuff for for some of their shooters when they have, you know, uh, obviously Booker available and stuff like that. But to be honest, a lot of it is just high pick and roll, and they're so good at it. Well, how do you neutralize this? And obviously, how, how have the Raptors played Phoenix so well, both in this game and also the two games last year? By switching a lot of these actions, neutralizing a lot of it because of the fact that they have these kind of big wing players, and they're able to do it. But the thing, the thing is, listen, Nick can put in that scheme whenever he wants, or you can build up the whatever and, and you know, the great job of, you know, forcing DeAndre Aiden to play one-on-one and not really giving up anything to him on, in the post other than hook shots, which he just didn't seem very good at, tonight at least. Um, but the, the key to me is sort of looking at the fact that the Raptors played with intensity, with purpose, with an actual sense of pride defensively. And you saw that at the start of the game. The Raptors came out. They were really committed defensively. And even though Phoenix scored 24 points, I thought they really only got like maybe three or four good looks for good shooters. And and so, you know, even though they were knocking down tough shots, the Raptors defensively, the process was good. And when you look at the final result, you can be really proud. I mean, I don't remember a lot of games where a team forces 25 turnovers out of their opponent, right? Like 
25 is just it's just an outrageous number that forces you know that fuels your transition game which the Raptors are able to obviously supplement their offense with um that that allows you to really gain momentum and really you know see the results and lock in defensively and show even more energy each time down the floor and yeah you put yourself in a position where you know you can be competitive and that's all we're really asking for right to see Pascal play this hard like you want to see him in a position where he can actually be competitive where his you know movements and his 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 drives at the end of the games they matter or OJ Anobi's defense at the end of the game really matters or Scotty playing all that defense really matters or or Christian Coloco coming in and having a clutch moment you're able to have that because you played defense and that's the thing for the Raptors this is a non-negotiable every single game the Raptors need to come out and play defense at this level of intensity you know and, and you know what is is that something where Teams are going to be inconsistent on that front, sure. But the inconsistency cannot be for, like, weeks at a time like the Raptors have been showing. It can be, like, once a month. But generally speaking, this is the level they can show. This is the level that they can present. And as a viewer, as, as someone who is consuming Raptors games and content and, and watching their videos and watching their interviews and listening to the game on the radio and watching them on TV and, you know, buying tickets to come to the game and all this stuff, you, as the paying customer, needs to expect this from the Raptors, defensive commitment. If they play defense great and they still can't make enough shots and they lose, you can accept that. But that's not what has been happening against Memphis, against you know the, the Sacramento Kings, against the Golden State Warriors, against you know the Clippers. That's not what was happening. What was happening was Raptors didn't even play defense to begin with. And so nothing that they did actually mattered. And that made for a dreadful product. That made for a horrible watch. And then you compare it to this game where, again, they forced 25 turnovers. This is the standard that we should hold them to, and I'm happy they showed it tonight. You know, And so great job um, and great win. And, yeah, in terms of your three stars, I mean, uh, first I'm going to give it to Gary. Uh, man, 35 points, a season high for him. Five rebounds, two assists, three steals, a block. Super engaged. Uh, was able to get to the free throw line a ton as well, nine of nine. That includes the Suns getting called for um, you know back-to-back you know, time wasting. Um, and so that, that resulted in a free throw. Then, then Chris Paul got pissed and he got a tech. And so Gary was able to go to the, the free throw line twice back to back on tactical free throws. Then Gary's able to knock down a mid range jumper at the same place. So he had a four point play. He had another four point play, just drawing a foul on a three on a super step back, which I, I really think he traveled, but listen, I, I'm not here to complain about that stuff, right? Travel all you want, as long as it doesn't really get called. Um, yeah, Gary was excellent carrying the offense. And I thought he was engaged defensively as well. One of the, you know, a lot of the opportunities there where Gary was able to, to guard up on Chris Paul showed a lot of commitment on that front. And, you know, when you think about all the comments of does he fit in or fit out, to be honest, this is where I do feel like the value of Gary. This is something that we've seen out of Gary. Now, last city, he literally had a stretch where he had six straight games like this, which was a really career-defining stretch for him, I thought. But he has this kind of potential he is a he is a guy who competes really hard. He's unafraid offensively. And guess what? He pairs really well with Pascal offensively. Because if there's one thing Pascal really needs, is it's a guy who can knock down shots at the top of the floor. Yes, you know, you can the best shots from three are probably out of the corners when you draw the help, you know, towards the basket and then you kick it out to him in the corner. But the thing is where Pascal, what he does a lot, because he's attacking the top of the floor. He's able to use one or two dribbles and really use his quickness and length to break past that first line of defense. And so where the help usually comes from at first is from um, the wings, right, and, and from the, the, the around the elbow. And 
the kick out there isn't to the corner necessarily, or at least directly. It's mostly to the top of the floor, either on the wings or at the very top. And he needs guys who can knock down shots there more than he needs guys who can knock down shots in the paint. Now, of course, or in the, in the corners. Now, he needs both, really. But that top of the floor jumper is super key. And that's something Gary's really good at. Gary's able to really know how to space out around Pascal. He understands when he's going to be driving. Pascal looks for him a lot. And this is a trend that I've seen all season, even last season as well. You know, when when Pascal's not there, Gary gets his own offense. It doesn't look nearly as fluid. But when he's able to finish off of the extra attention that Pascal draws and, and, and demands because he's such a gifted offensive player at this point, you need someone to capitalize, and Gary has really paired well with him. So Gary's gonna get the first star. Second star is gonna go to Pascal Siakam. Twenty six points, um, only two rebounds. Very surprising there, but it doesn't really matter, I guess. The Raptors did a really good job defensive rebounding, so there's no concern. Uh, but six assists as well. Only two turnovers. Plus eighteen in forty minutes for Pascal Siakam. Plus eighteen in forty minutes, because of the fact that every single time Pascal came into the game, the Raptors did well. Like genuinely, every single time. Outside of the midway through the fourth quarter where the Raptors made some mistakes that had nothing to do with him, he did a, a great job of pushing the team forward. And so I'm going to give him the second star there. And then your third star, listen, I really want to give this to Christian Coloco because he made some key plays in the fourth quarter. And, you know, one day he will be getting more of these stars. But to me, I think it's undeniable. I think Scotty Barnes's defense was the big, big factor in this game that really made this win possible for the for the team. The Raptors were really able to force a lot of turnovers by pressuring the ball, switching the ball, applying pressure to Chris Paul. And who was a leader on that front? It was Scotty Barnes. And all game, he was he was in his grill. All game. It's, it takes a lot out of you. And of course, you know, Scotty throws in the three at the end there, which was huge. With the putback there was pretty big as well. But to me, more than anything else, Scotty set the tone defensively on Chris Paul, on possessions where he's switching on to DeAndre Aiden. How many players can kind of do that for you? That is Vision 6-9. You know, that that is the benefit of it, at least I should say. And so it, I, I saw that commit from Scotty today. Offensively, yes, he had a rough game, you know, especially trying to initiate as a point guard. You know, just not a lot of advantages generated. But again, he's not a guy who consistently beats people on, on the perimeter and gets downhill and does all that other stuff. That stuff maybe to come down the line if, if he puts in the kind of work that Pascal has put into developing into that kind of player. Because Pascal didn't used to be that guy either. Like when we saw Pascal as a rookie or even sophomore, we did not think that he was that kind of guy. But he really continuously worked on his game and reinvented his game. And now we see the product is, you know, eight you know years into the in, into the into the process here, professionally at least. With Scotty though, where he can be really effective is when he pushes it on the break. I thought he did a good job with that in the third quarter there where he's able to just push ahead a couple of times, get in transition, get in for a layup, going end-to-end, get in to, for a quick drive before the defense sets. You know, he draws a foul, goes to the free throw line, knocks down two, stuff like that, where I, I do think he has more opportunistic type of scoring. And then, of course, you need catch-and-shoot shooting from, from Scotty, and, and it's not the strength of his right now, but I like him that he had that confidence to knock it down in the fourth quarter and you know, ultimately, you just got to make the right play. Eventually, the results will come, um, you know, with more and more reps and more and more practice. But at the same time, you know, the process of how to make that read just needs to be, you know, done on a more consistent basis. And I saw that from Scotty tonight, in addition to the fact that he was so big defensively. So those are your three stars, Gary, Pascal, Scotty. And that's exactly how it should be when the Raptors are shorthanded like this. So hopefully they get some more bodies back. It seems like Precious is quite close. You know, Fred is having back spasms, so we don't really know specifically when he's going to be back. You know, hopefully it's just his his back calms down. 
Um, but uh, yeah, you know, those are your three stars. And then your Gerald Henderson Award winner. Honestly, you could take your pick. There's a lot of guys on the team on, on Phoenix that really was able to to really affect things. But I think I'm gonna give it to Ish Wainwright, man. I really liked his, you know, his defense tonight. Nine points, four steals, two rebounds, just really scrapped, knocked down corner threes to break the Raptors zone and all that stuff. And yeah, I mean, you know, you could have picked up other guys as well. I, I really do think that uh, to Landale gave the Raptors some problems or Washington gave the Raptors some problems. But for me, Wainwright, I just, I'm, I'm rooting for him. If you haven't seen the interview that Ish Wainwright did when he was a member of the Toronto Raptors back in summer league, um, I think this was last year, maybe the year before that. Um, go, go, go. Uh, yeah, it, was, uh, it was last year. Um, go look that up. Uh, not just because, you know, uh, I was involved in that interview, but I, I think it was just so raw in terms of the emotions of hearing a player who had spent so much of his time overseas away from family you know it's very important to him i think he's got family members tattooed on each shoulder like something really huge for him for him to go overseas and then come back stateside and get that chance to compete and how hard he played i thought this was a game that i wasn't unfamiliar with i've seen you know this out of H. Wainwright, and I've been essentially rooting for him ever since that kind of interview. I don't think it's a unique story. I think lots of players in the league obviously have, have had this experience and the whole idea of sort of young people trying to, you know, uh, carve out a career and provide for their families and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, it's, it resonates very strongly with me as it should for most people. But I think to see it in that way from Ish was really rare. Um, and yeah, I'm happy landing in a good situation in Phoenix. I'm happy he's getting a chance to play. And again, like, I just think that. He's a guy who can be an NBA contributor. And, you know, I, I do wish the Raptors actually held on to him rather than a guy like Bonga, who just was kind of a project. But at the same time, you know, it's not something that you sort of lose sleep over. It happens, right? Uh, but ultimately, I'm happy that he was able to play well. And, yeah. So that does for the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is going to be the last Raptor show of the 2022 calendar year. So a, a huge thank you to everyone who listened to the Reaction Podcast, to the Raptor show. Uh, to even the banter pods. I know those were became really uh, popular, especially when we started doing them in the summertime when there was nothing else going on. But um, yeah, just a huge thank you to everybody who listened. Um, an even bigger thank you to all the producers. Um, honestly, so many people to count, um, so I really can't name them all. But um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it was, I mean, outside of December, I think 2022 was actually quite good to the Toronto Raptors when we really think about it. Definitely finished with a winning record and made the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. So you know, you just hope that this is sort of more of a temporary blip and the Raptors can find their defensive intensity and their defensive identity. But overall, like, no matter what happens with the team, like, we are going to be here to cover it. And we're as fans, obviously, we're all going to be here to continuously follow it. Because, look, we can be upset, we can be frustrated, but we're still going to turn on that TV, we're still going to turn on that radio, and we're still going to turn on our laptop, and we're going to watch the next game and the next game and the next game and follow where the season goes. It is a bit of a long year. You know, the Raptors are in a hole, but, you know, they can turn it around. They have this kind of talent, and you just got to trust that they show up more often, uh, especially in the defensive end. But uh, seriously, a huge thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, everyone who rated and reviewed the podcast, I think that was excellent. Um, it really kept the show high in the charts. So if you haven't done it already, continue to do so. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I'll catch you in 2023. Happy, happy, have a, have a happy new year. Uh, celebrate safely. And uh, yeah, catch you on the, the next time.